0: Hello and welcome to England Cricket on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. I am Daniel Norcross, the man who has been in Australia for the last 42 days watching almost everybody except England, except at the last (laughs) bit, when I did get to watch England, and that's what we're going to talk about. And I have with me the puff pastry hangman himself. He has been watching from afar is the Chief Cricket Writer for the Press Association. He is none other than the, oh, the Iftikhar Ahmed of 99.94.
1: <laughs> God. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. I have absolutely no idea what that means. But I'm going to when take you're it about, as a you're,
0: compliment. You're about, 30, you're, you're about 35,
1: but you look about 47. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, in the nicest possible way. I mean, you know. I don't even know how old you are, Dana. You, you're some kind of time lord. I'm not sure what, what century you're from.
0: 67 to <laughs> 90. I'm somewhere around that neck of the woods. Um, England Cricket on 99.94 is your new home for England Cricket content. And we will be dropping into your podcast feed on YouTube or on the 99.94 app several times every week. So please do rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you for joining Cricket's conversation. Do we, have, do we have three topics to talk about today? I don't think we do. I think what we've got to talk about is that England somehow, at the start of the year, saw Ollie Robinson, at the start of 2022, saw Ollie Robinson making his way very rapidly to Hobart <laughs> International Airport, even before the last ball had been bowled of the Ashes series, as England made their tawdry and miserable way out of an Ashes series. <laughs> And 10 months later, they have destroyed New Zealand at Test Cricket. They have beaten India in an extraordinary fashion in Test Cricket. They have repulsed South Africa in Test Cricket. And most importantly, they have become the only side ever to hold the 50-over and 20-over World Cup titles simultaneously Rory, we are here to unpick that remarkable story, a renaissance extraordinaire. What the hell well, have we just witnessed?
1: In the midst of all that, they did something completely unlikely as well. They, they actually went to Pakistan, uh, which, was, which was nice <laughs> yeah, of them after not, <laughs> after not doing so last year. So it has been a bit of a year of putting things putting things uh, right. Yeah, listen, I think you're on your 42nd day in Australia but at least you get to go on a high and with a bit of wind in your sails. When I was in Australia for that Ashes series, it was a long old schlep, and it got worse and worse and worse the longer we stayed. Uh we left Hobart in very low spirits, it has to be said. So this England team uh has put smiles on everyone's faces. I think it was a really, a really decent victory against I don't know, against a team who. Turned up in the end. It didn't look like they were going to win. At halfway, I thought this might be the final that that falls a bit flat. I mean, yeah, there is such a thing as winning a world title in a bit of a flat way. It was on. It was on free to air. There was, you know, the idea of getting a few eyeballs on it. But it turned into a proper final, and it needed it needed a proper victory. And England gave them one, and Ben Stokes gave them one. And in terms of crossover and getting a bit of interest from from those wider public. That fellow, Ben Stokes, been in the thick of it always, always helps. So this is an England team. As you say, they're 50 over champions, 20 over champions. It's only the world's blatant, naked refusal to adopt the 100 that stops them being hat-trick champions, I'm sure. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, but th- I, th- I guess things feel pretty rosy in the garden compared to where we were, yeah, 10 months ago. Things are, things are looking up, and particularly in this white ball uh, white ball world where they've ridden the retirement of Owen Morgan. And if anything, by the end of this tournament, did they even look stronger? They probably did. Uh, I
0: absolutely agree with you. It's an extraordinary thing because I think when we started 99.94, we began in August, September. And the part of English cricket that we'd started to learn to rely on really was white ball cricket under Owen Morgan. Um, it felt like a, a safe place where mm. Test Cricket had gone horribly wrong. England had won one Test match out of 17. <laughs> Let's be quite clear. And yet there was this sort of safe place where you could go to, if you're an England fan, you could go, well, you know, we're terrible at Test Cricket, but we're magnificent at the at the game that's really going to persist as the future goes on. And then the summer came, June, July, August, and it was pretty Pretty bleak, really. Actually, when Owen Morgan retired, Joss Butler took over the captaincy. Matthew Mott had come in, and you, they they didn't perform with the same vim, the same vigor, the same certainty. And yet, at the end of this, they become world champions. And I suppose what we've got to examine is: did they get a bit lucky? Was it you know the nature of tournament cricket, or were they the standout dominant team? For me having been here the entire time, there was one very poor performance against uh, Ireland. Uh, a, poor, poor a weird person, one against but, Afghanistan. Yeah, there was a weird one against Afghanistan, but when they played against sides that really, that they felt were on their level, New Zealand, for example, Sri Lanka, when they had to win, India, who were a powerhouse in world cricket, uh, then Pakistan in a the final. They were... Simply supreme. I I will. We can talk about the final in and of itself. I think in in the the second part of this program. But just generally looking at where England are as a as a white ball side, how has this happened? How has this happened? Seven years ago, I I had a a very long fish dinner with Jonathan Agnew (laughs) and Adam Mountford and people. Yeah, four hours. It was lovely. From two till six, this. this oh, afternoon. I thought you
1: just, I just thought you ate a really long fish between you. No, 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 no. I had, I had 12 oh, right.
0: oysters. I had a, a series of different ceviches, sashimis, all, uh, and a clam chowder. Um, yeah.
1: Anyway, you thought England were useless, basically.
0: Oh, no. I, I, was, I was talking to people who, <laughs> who had been here seven years ago and had watched the Nadir of English cricket 2015. Adelaide, losing to Bangladesh, the hopelessness of their white ball uh, way of playing. And seven years later, they they hold both trophies. Ten months after, as I said earlier, being so dreadful a red ball cricket under Joe Root, they, they are champions of two formats. How have they got there? Why has this happened? Is this just the nature of sport? Or is it that... <laughs> That, that somehow... I, I, I think,
1: well, you asked whether they were the dominant team earlier in the, in the tournament, they weren't the dominant team, but I think they were the best team. And it's not always the case that the best team wins, but I think you'd be hard pushed to look at any other team out there and say there was a team that was better suited, better constructed, or better skilled for T20 cricket than this England team. Why did that happen? I think it's legacy. I think this is, this is the long re- reading To good decisions been made. England England flipped their whole approach in 15 after that after that tournament that you're talking about, the Bangladesh defeat. And they they objectively and it did cost them a little bit. We know that, and we know that from our discussions of the test team and where it went wrong, and the fact that I suppose even Ashley Giles admitted that the eye went off the ball a little bit. But they decided to get better at white ball cricket. They decided to be more aggressive, to be bolder, to be braver, to take more calculated gambles. And that fed down all through the system. So they didn't, they didn't create from those decisions, the likes of Alex Hales and Jason Roy and Johnny Bairstow. They were already there, but the decisions that they made, the emphasis they put on it, the seriousness with which they went about this created some of the players that they have now. Liam Livingston is a direct result of, of those things. Sam Curran, in all likelihood, probably is. He was huge. And the fact that they have pressure pushing on all places and, and options and depth across the board is a result of the fact that they, they, they knew and they really ripped up the book and decided to be a different team. And that lies at Morgan's door. It's completely correct to give him credit for all of this. Butler has, at quite short notice added a bit he's added a bit of his own and it's, it's really gone well these last few weeks and he didn't do it in the summer it's, it's quite a recent development that he's almost done it on the fly now my concern what do you say that what,
0: what do you think he has added because I've heard people say this and I, I've seen it but I've not quite been able to define it what what is it do you think that he has done
1: well I think he has become nimbler with his decision making. Even even more so than Morgan, probably he he has embraced the nature of this team, which is lots of players who can do lots of things, and he has whether it was necessity because he didn't he didn't he didn't look like that was going to be his calling card when he first started in the job. he almost looked like he had been handed on some fine china, some family heirloom from Owen Morgan, and he didn't want to touch it too much in case he dropped it and then I think the way things were going, certainly the defeat to Ireland and Afghanistan for that matter, the game where they just squeaked through, really. I just think he decided this isn't going to work. I, I, need, to, I need to get my hands dirty here and, and put myself in the thick of it. And he did after that. I don't think you could look at a game that England played after the Ireland match and say they went about it the same way or they used the same methods. He didn't have a blueprint, actually. Or if, or if he did have a blueprint, it was sketched in the thinnest pencil going and he was happy to grab a new one. And that's what, really, listen, realistically... T20 cricket increasingly should be a game of quick decisions and winning little percentage battles. And that's what England is set up to do. Now, England flipped the script and became this team. I think the thing that's coming down the pipe is that Australia are going to have to flip the script. India are going to have to. Pakistan mm-hmm. have got the bowlers but not the batters. I think a lot of people are going to be looking around and trying to step up to the mark. And it's, it's hard to stay on top forever, it really is. You look at all these people who champion their 1% gains and stuff in whatever sport you choose, dominance is bloody hard to, to come by. So England are top of the world right now in white ball cricket, but people will be coming for them, no doubt.
0: Um, before we move on to the second stage, where we're going to look at the actual match itself, let's just reflect briefly on what England didn't have. They didn't have Mark Wood. They didn't have Jofra Archer. They didn't have Johnny Bairstow. They didn't have Reese Topley. They didn't have David Milan. <laughs> Ra- Ravi Papara said on air during the same time Didn't have Ravi Papara
1: oh, either, you're right. He was outside the, of the, the squad, but the
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, you're right. But, but, but Ravi himself <laughs> said on, on air, and uh, you know, he's, he's a very astute reader of the game, and he wouldn't say this unless he really meant it. He said, England's second level would beat India. Now, that is quite, is quite the claim to make. But actually, when you've just destroyed a side with four overs to spare, it's, it's, it's one that's hard to refute, isn't it? I mean, England are unbelievably mm. blessed with players who know how to play T20 cricket. And I guess that the question I put to you, Rory, is is that because of the thing? that England cricket fans have been so scared about for years, namely that, oh, their players aren't wedded to English cricket, they're not part of the county scene, they're not part of, um, you know, they're going off to play in a variety of different leagues. They've played in a variety of different leagues. Phil Salt wanders in to a World Cup final. He didn't do badly at all. Um, You know, Sam Curran out of nowhere is player yeah. of the tournament. Is it out of nowhere or is it out of actually playing everywhere around the world?
1: Yeah, I mean, Sam Curran has been a headline-grabbing act in the IPL. Now, he, he's, it's a different world if Sam Curran's rocket up into the England team, you know, fresh from sort of roaming around fairly low-key matches. Yeah, England are the, are, the, are the chief beneficiaries of of the global franchise situation at the moment because there's players we haven't even touched upon who are top draft number one picks. At uh, 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 things all around the world, people like Timar Mills, who's there as a, a reserve, really, he's just sort of carrying the drinks. You know, you, you flick on any, any competition and he'll, he'll turn up uh, as one of the big picks.
0: Well, I, and I guess that is the fear for the rest of the world. For now, we're going to take a short break. After that, we're going to talk about the actual game itself how England won that game, how Pakistan lost that game. I'm Neil Manthorpe, one half of South Africa on 99.94 with Lungani Zama. We're covering the Rainbow Nation as it undergoes its biggest transition since readmission. admission We cover every part of the South African game on 99.94, and you can hear us several times a week where you find your podcasts or on YouTube. Welcome back, team. So, you are know the world champions. They're world champions how? They played at the MCG. On a pitch that was, without doubt, incredibly sporty. I mean, I, I don't know if it was obvious to people watching at home, but, but if you were there, it was a it was a really tricky, it's a tricky pitch. I mean, you looked at Adil Rashid; he bowled a wicket maiden in the was it seventh or eighth or ninth over of the innings. Um, poor old Iftar was all over the place. Twelfth was it, I think. Was it, was it even as late as that? He yeah. was, You know, the, the... the My pal, yeah. 54-year-old Iftikhar Ahmed was groping into thin air as balls spun after spun after spun. Four balls beat his bat. Um, I think when the Pakistanis bowled, it was very clear that there was, if you found the right length, there was a lot in that pitch. It was tough. 137 was actually not the worst total that you could post, Pakistan will be annoyed. They'll think, no, we should have got to 150, 155. But I thought England actually bowled quite poorly to start with. Um, they came back into it. But Sam Curran was a standout. I mean, 3-3 three, three for 13? What on earth is going on here? I thought Anric Norkier's 2-10 for 10 against uh, against the Netherlands was probably yeah. going to be the greatest bowling figures of the lot. I know Sam Curran had taken five for ten earlier on, but there were some bowlers, there were a couple of bowlers who worked out what was going on. Well, they worked out what was going on on that pitch and it was a pitch that you're not expecting for a World Cup final and it took an intelligence to get that right. And I I think for me, what really won the game was that Pakistan's uh, fast bowlers bowled too quick, too full at the beginning of England's innings. And Sam Curran absolutely nailed the conditions. He he was the difference between two sides. Adil Rashid as well. Between those two bowlers, basically won England the game.
1: Absolutely agree with that. I think also I'll be really strong in saying I think the toss was huge for England. I think now they thought the toss was going to be big in case rain came and in case they were dealing with a revised target and a Duckworth-Lewis-Stern arrangement. But actually, I think the toss was huge because if Pakistan, with their, with their weaknesses and respective strengths, were going to get England in big trouble, it was going to be through quick wickets, and it did get quick wickets at the top in the second innings, but just with not enough behind them, not enough to really make it sting. Now, I think if Pakistan bowl first and Shaheen Shah Takes out Hales, who's had just coming off the back of two fantastic matches. If takes him out early, gets stuck into England. Salt struggles. Then I think if England make, I mean honestly, I tell you what, I think if England make one three seven batting first, I think Pakistan win. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I do. I, I don't. I don't necessarily think that. Although I do think England were the strongest team, and I do think they had the most solutions. I think. I think if they had struggled through and made even one, you know, one forty score. I think Babar and Rizwan and, and the other ones have a real racing chance of, of bringing home the trophy. So listen, I think this toss was huge because it gave England the chance to, to, to get into Pakistan and they did. Babar and Rizwan didn't really get on the board. Actually, and they ended up staying around a little bit too long and just anchoring things and dragging it down. It was a sticky pitch. It, it wasn't easy. Good bowlers flourished. put it that way. Um, and, and nazim shah and um, nazim certainly did but the, <sighs> pakistan needed the game to go a certain way and they, listen both teams knew that because they've played each other tons recently and i think probably as soon as they won the toss and got a good start england were ahead and personally it got a bit scratchy didn't it i never there was never a point in the chase where i thought england weren't going to win it really and it I mean, wasn't I mean, just the stokes fact. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I didn't. There was, a, there was a point. I think when Shinechart started his last over, as was and bowled, bowled that ball, when mm. I thought that it could have got a little bit awkward for England. Um, it got to about nine and over. It got to about one and a half a ball, and Shinechart bowled that first ball of that over, and it it was a slower ball, and Moen was groping in thin air, and it was. It was. It, look, I cannot stress enough how awkward that pitch was. It was grabby. It was awkward. Mm. Um, it was terrific for both seam and good spinners. Good spinners. And that was the key. Adil Rashid, Shadab mm. Khan. They were both very difficult to get away. There was a bit of grab in the pitch. And I thought that if Shaheen Shah had, had had 11 more balls to bowl, that it could have got right down to the wire. Yes, I think England played the better mm. game. I think they were always on top throughout. But, you know, when you T20 is an awkward game to analyse, isn't it? In the sense that when it comes down to it, you've got very small margins that determine the difference between the two sides. And... Mm. This was a pitch that was actually designed for Pakistan. Ha- it, was, it, was, it was circumstances that were designed for Pakistan to win. And the fact that England won and they won it comfortably, I felt it came down to a bit of good fortune. And, and you're right, it came down to the toss. Because Pakistan had to assess the conditions and no one knew what that pitch was going to do first up. But England didn't bowl that well in the power play. They really didn't. I mean, they didn't mm. challenge... Uh, Barbara's arm, but, uh, but they Muhammad got away well with the power play.
1: Pakistan let them; they got they let them away with it. They, well, they did They let them away. With it. They got they got thirty, got one run more than India got. Yeah, and 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 England and absolutely that, blew India out the park, and Pakistan got one run more in the power play. I thought they let they let the chance go. They could have got more. I, and and
0: and I guess look, you know, Matt Henry said on on uh, BBC, he said, you know, India played blockbuster cricket in a streaming age and in a way Pakistan are set <laughs> up to do that aren't they <laughs> Rizwan and Barber do that mm, yeah, and they, and they try to keep their wickets intact and see where they're going to go but they've got such a stellar bowling attack I mean, when you look at Nazim Shah Nazim Shah bowled a couple of overs that were absolutely extraordinary I mean it's like watching Test cricket he, he beat the bat time and time and time again and we, we, we can talk forever about how Ben Stokes has played the three defining innings, hasn't he? Headingly.
1: Yeah,
0: we, haven't really, we haven't really done the
1: Stokes thing yet.
0: No. Well, <laughs> uh, partly because it was such an ugly and, and profoundly foul innings, in much the same way as it was when England won the 2019 World Cup. I mean, it was horrible to watch. He was all over hmm. the place. He was beaten time and time and time again by superb bowling on an awkward but he pitch. Was in and the yet, battle, wasn't he? Just in, he in the battle. Was, he, got, he
1: got his. F- he got his scrappers for head on.
0: He did. He didn't get the edge. I mean, there was there was, he, there was a, a referral, wasn't there? When they were convinced that the ball must have hit his bat because it had beaten it four or five times. I mean, Mohamed Rizwan, mm. behind stumps is convinced that every single time the ball goes through to his gloves, it's out. Moderately irritating, certainly if you're a commentator. <laughs> but fair play to. Him. Uh, but it was it was it was it was a genuinely tight contest. I thought I thought it was there was almost nothing between the two teams. So we can delight and and be excited by England winning the T Twenty World Cup. But my God, a little bit more luck for Pakistan and they win that game, don't they? Just a little bit more luck, mm,
1: yeah. I do feel we should just just give a bit of props. We are England on ninety nine point oh four. Bit of props for Stokes. Not that he's short of them, uh, but I mean, this was his. This was the most heartening innings that he's played since he came back to playing cricket for England. I think, in a sense, that made you think that he's really up for like up for working for it because there was a bit of a feeling in the summer that. He's so, so absorbed was he in the idea of aggressive cricket and front foot and take the battle to them and all that, take the aggressive option. There was a worry that we'd lost the smart equation defying Ben Stokes who sees the end line and just finds a way to get there um, and that he was going to be a different player. He was going to be a, an impact sort of adrenaline shot cricketer batter going forward. This was the moment where you, oh, he's still got that. He When he's in the thick of it, and there's stuff flying around. He he wants to get through, and it just made me think, it just made me think he'll play longer, he'll play better, he'll score more hundreds than I thought he did, than I thought he would, like, six weeks ago. Uh, it made me think that Stokes, ah, oh, there was a glimmer in the eye. Loved it. <laughs> Cumbrian fella, actually, as well. Yeah. You uh, love which that, is good. You? Um, and he mentioned it. I he do, mentioned yeah. that,
0: didn't he, when, when Livingston came out and said, you know, well, two cumbrings, two at the end, yeah. At the end,
1: yeah. Exactly. England um, England, ruining their decision not to pick Jordan Clark and give the coach's job <laughs> to Paul Nixon, I understand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what I would say is that that is Ben Stokes' first 50 in T20 international cricket. He did it in a World Cup final. Unbelievable. Mm. What is he, 32 years old? That's the first time He's hit 50 in a T20 international. It's so ludicrous. It's so bizarre. But it's classically bad yeah.
1: folks. We're going to take a He's break. Building, building the material for the next film.
0: Well, it really is. We'll take a break. Um, when we come back, won't take too long over it, but where do we go from here? The top of the world.
1: The top of the world, boy! What are they going to do? Whether it's missing flights or retirements out of the blue, whether it's resignations or bans, as the old saying goes, there's never a quiet day in West Indies cricket. So make sure you listen to West Indies on 99.94 to stay up to date with all the latest fallout with the teams
0: in Maroon. Welcome back. So, first side in the history of cricket to win the fifty-over World Cup, a T20 World Cup. Ten months ago, they were dead and buried. They won six Test matches out of seven. There's a strong argument to say that they are right now the most dominant, the most capable team in world cricket across formats. I don't quite know how that's happened, um, but it has. And
1: listen to the first part of the podcast. We just explained it.
0: Where the, but 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 but, but. <laughs> people people are going to come back into this team, Rory. I mean, Johnny Best going to come back into this team. This is it, yeah. Joffrey Art Joffrey art is going to come back into this team. Uh, you would imagine, Reese Topley is going to come back Wood. into this team. Mark Wood is going to come back into this team. Yeah, are they are they absolutely matchless right now, or or? What I mean I, I I don't know I don't know where I, I I'm struggling yeah, with, I'm, str- I'm struggling Rory I'm struggling with euphoria right I mean there's I I, I don't know I get it I get it it's it, not it's, a natural feeling easy. It, well it's it's not normal to find yourself in Australia at the Melbourne Cricket Ground in front of eighty thousand people and find England <laughs> winning a with game smile of cricket on your face. I mean. No, it no it just it just yeah. doesn't happen and you know that because you've been around the world, you've done all these things. You've experienced the the dismality. last
1: time I was there, last time I was there, <laughs> Scott Boland was putting together his claim for greatest living cricketer. So, right. I mean, I I am know, a blessed human picked I I'm picked a, the wrong horse there, didn't I?
0: I'm a blessed human being. I I am I, I am in Australia in in a state of unusual euphoria. Not because I'm a fan of England, but because <laughs> how the hell has this happened? How have they got there? What are they going to do next? Can they get better? Can they honestly get better?
1: Mm. Well, they can. That's an interesting question. This is a peak. Now, whether they can get better than this peak, I don't know. But are there options that they can draft in that will make them better than they would be if they didn't draft them in? Sure, there are. So Archer into this team is makes makes opposition really, really wonder what they're going to do. Arch changes things enormously because he's such an adept bowler in this kind of cricket. We don't know, by the way, what Jofra Archer is going to come back. We know he is going to come back because he's nearly there. But it's been a long time. Fast bowling is a sort of difficult science stroke art. It's one of the two anyway, somewhere in between. And it's not we don't know if he's gonna blow Australia away in the ashes next summer, or never play Red Ball again, or become the best T20 cricket who's ever lived. Who the hell knows what's gonna happen with Joffrey Archer? But even money, he improves the team. Uh Jason Roy isn't isn't done. If he if he hits form and gets back, it's gonna be hard to keep Jason Roy out because he gives England exactly what they want in this in this form of cricket. I think you look at one of the questions you look at, could England get better and better and better? Well, they can only stay at this peak as long as Adil Rashid's around because there isn't an obvious sub for Adil Rashid. Riyan Ahmed is the next man in line. Uh, we talked about him a wee bit, I think, on here. Uh, I interviewed him recently. Unbelievably confident kid. Genuinely is ready to... He said to me, if England want to open the ball in the test matches in Pakistan, he'll just do it because that's what he does. He just bowls. He bowls whenever people want him to. So... He's super confident, but England don't have a Rashid replacement ready to roll just yet. So he's the big one. He's got to stay fit. I mean, interesting here, we've got Will Smead. This is an interesting one, isn't it? Just just mm. announced that he's going to mm. play white ball only. He's never played first-class cricket. Probably never will. Now, he's played one fifty 50-over game in his life. He's, he's decided that T20 at the age of 21... He's decided that this is for him. Now, maybe we'll see a bit more of that in England. Maybe their success at this, at this format, the opportunities that pervade. Maybe a 21-year-old kid comes through and says, why would I want to you know, bother my ass breaking, breaking down and playing test cricket? Maybe, there's, maybe we're going to have a glut of players who just want to come in and refresh this team. But there's a lot of questions. Who drops out? The next World Cup is India, which is, changes the equation for England and probably changes it against England's interests. Um, and then it's US in West Indies for the T Twenty. By then, don't think we'll see walks. Don't think we'll see Jordan. Uh, Milan probably not. Uh, probably not Hills. I don't think Hills. Don't feel like this is going to be a five-year chapter in Hills' career. So there is a little bit of refreshing to do. Um,
0: you mentioned Smeed. You mentioned England cricketers deciding to play only white ball cricket, only Twenty Twenty cricket. This is a choice that England cricketers can play. It's a choice that Indian cricketers cannot play. Um, they, they are s- stuck in India playing IPL, Ranji Trophy, Test Cricket. South African players can play everywhere. Are we, are we, are we in, a, <laughs> in, a, in a place now where weirdly, you know, the, the, the countries like England have got a real chance of getting won over. Because they're, in inverted commas, mercenary cricketers are able to go and play everywhere around the world. Will Smead, in two years' time, could have played on basically every pitch that you can ever play on. He could have developed his game around the world. BBL, PSL, IPL, CPL, who, who knows? Is that, is that mm. actually going to work for England, do you think? in their favour, strangely.
1: I, I don't, honestly, I don't feel like too many people will make that decision. That's why I think Smead is interesting because the number of times you speak to a young player who's really talented and they tell you that they grew up on drinking in Test cricket and it's all they can think of. Rian Arme- Arme- Ahmed certainly said that to me. He said he, he he's already interested in cricket when it's hard and Test cricket's the hardest, you know, form that he can think of. So, I don't think it'll necessarily be a problem, but I think it's again, it's, it plays well for England that they have these options. Uh, Just as, as we're on this section of looking forward and the next world cup, because if they could win another 50 over world cup and, and retain that title in India, that really would cement this lot as the golden boys, really golden generation. And maybe we, maybe we have to end on this, but India world cup next year. Does Ben Stokes play in it? Does he reverse the retirement and come out for one last job?
0: Um, I, my guess is yes. Actually, my guess is absolutely yes. Look, we'll see. At the moment, we're riding on a on the crest of an extraordinary wave. I can't quite believe that English cricket has got here. As I said <laughs> right at the beginning of this, ten months ago, it was in the absolute doldrums, and now I mean, I, I am not getting any Twitter mentions from Indians telling me that I need to cry and uh, there's a strange thing about Indian Twitter yeah. that they, they, do, they, do, they do think that crying is an important thing and I'm not crying except tears of extraordinary emotional joy. Thank you for listening to Even Cricket on 99.94 where you can speak cricket every day. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcast. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us. On Twitter at Norcross Cricket, in my case, at Norcross, as in neither angry nor cross. And I am certainly not angry or cross at Norcross Cricket. And in your case, Rory, at.
1: I'm at the RVD. You can find he's me always there at, the RVD. at your leisure.
0: He's always at the RVD. Yeah, It's the way to go. Never miss out. Join our 24 7 conversation on social media and follow us at 99.94. DM. Cricket every day. Thank you for joining us. England have won another World Cup. It's kind of weird. I don't quite know how I feel about it. But what I would say is that I've never been in front of 80,000 people in a sporting arena and commentated (laughs) in my life. The only time I've had more than 80,000 people was when Wimbledon beat Liverpool 1-0 in the FA Cup final in 1988. And it was brilliant, but somehow not the same, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Different. Well, it was, yeah,
0: massively different. For me, good night.
1: More on that another time. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1